The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk every week about the transformations that can come from loss. I hope you'll go to the Good Grief page at Voice America to communicate with me in your favorite way, by email, through Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. All those links are on my host page at the station. I'd love to hear what you've enjoyed so far, who who you'd like me to have on the show, and also feel free to share your own experiences of transformation through loss. Today I'm here with Michelle Petacolis. Michelle is a grief transformation specialist, filmmaker, sociologist, and speaker dedicating her life to shifting the way people deal with death. In response to the loss of her own parents, both in the same year, she produced the award-winning film series Secrets of Life and Death, focusing on death as an impetus for personal and spiritual change. Her 25-plus years with a Supi master from Baghdad continuing to the present moment are evident in the films. She uses the films in workshops throughout the San Francisco Bay Area, including JFK University, the Cancer Support Community, UCSF's Helen Diller Cancer Clinic, Charlotte Maxwell Complementary Care Clinic, Altabates, and John Muir. In her private coaching practice, she uses breathwork, guided visualization, role play, body awareness, dream work, and thought reframing to help her clients navigate their grief and discover new life possibilities. She's committed to helping grievers release their own pain to discover life's greater possibilities. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here with you. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. I'm, I'm really so glad to be back in touch with you because uh, just as you were starting making your films, you interviewed me right at the very beginning there, and I just remember that with such fondness. It helped me to, it gave me a chance to reflect on what was changing in me, and um, I was so happy that you agreed to come on. It took me back to that moment. Well, and of course, I remember that moment because you were the first person that I interviewed, and of course, I saw all the mistakes I was making, but there was <laughs> one thing that you said that took me through the whole process of making all those films and taking me to this day, and that was that after losing your partner, you lost your fear, that you huh. no longer feared life, and that was such an empowering concept for me. And it just kept me going, because let me tell you, there was plenty of fear along the way. <laughs> I'm sure there was. And it's interesting, because that's now a long time ago, but that has continued to be true. 
uh, my fear just doesn't doesn't have a big grab, uh, and it used to. So I I really thank you for remembering that and bringing it back to my mind. Um, I'd like to start by asking you to talk just about the films. Um, tell the listeners about them, what their themes are, and how you went about doing them. Sure, I would love to. It's a it's a really favorite uh, topic of mine. Well. Like you, I was transformed by loss. I lost both my parents, as you mentioned in my bio, in the same year, and I was really, really blown away by how impactful it was. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think it was, but it's like there was never any talking about it. So it it came as a big shock. First of all, that I was totally unprepared. Like, whoa, what's going on here? How come I don't know any of this? How come nobody told me about this? Mm -hmm. And... uh, so I was in the, at the time I was doing a TV show in San Francisco called On the Edge, and uh, I thought, well, huh, this seems like a really great subject. Maybe I'll do a, do a show on that. And I did a show, but this was community access, so there was always, you know, um, it, it was short and, and there were problems, and, and I said, no, this this topic is, it's not enough for a show. Actually, there was two shows. I said, this is not enough. I need to go into this deeper. And so I said, well, I've been always wanting to make a documentary. I think this would be a good topic. Mm-hmm. So that's what started me. And, and so I started out, I had done TV shows, but I had never done a documentary. And it was such a learning experience. But the actual perfect vehicle for exploring death because it gave me license to ask people deep and powerful questions. And I, w- I would go and I would call people up and I'd say, can I interview you? <laughs> and uh, it was an amazing experience. And I found that it was not only an amazing experience and learning for me, but it was, like in your case, a, a really great experience for my uh, subjects because they, in the process of talking their story, gained new insights about uh, their process. There really is that part of it, isn't there, that, that you, you really have to do, do the inside grieving, but it's also really important to express for most people. And, well, and, and expressing is part of the inside grieving. For uh, sure. Uh, but you're right, there is another aspect of the grieving, and I like to divide it into two parts, that is, there's the spiritual-emotional part, and mm-hmm. there's this physical body. And the mm. physical body really experiences a shock when it loses somebody that it's really used to being around. And sure. it not only affects, like, our brain networks, because we're used to every time, you know, we wake up in the morning, we expect to see somebody in the bed next to us. But I think it also affects us on an electromagnetic level. You know, we vibrate together. And so suddenly there's this huge hole in our lives. And the more time we've spent with that person and the more neural networks we have formed, the more of a shock it is. That resonates with me so much. I was so shocked in my grieving that it was so, so physical. Yes. Uh, you know, that I, that I felt it throughout my body, that it was an actual physical experience more than anything else. So I, I really agree on that. It's kind of 
like stunning in a way. It's like, how can that be? You know, why can't I just like wrap my mind, mind around a new way of thinking about this? But there's this whole physical component that people just have to go through. It's a healing process. You literally have to create new networks in your brain. You're healing. It's like, well, I used to say this in my grief group, it's like losing an arm. You have to take time to let that wound, that loss, heal. And then you might have some phantom limbs hanging around, too. <laughs> and you might have some phantom limb, limbs, that's true. And uh-huh. then here's, here's one, of the, one of the difficulties that happens sometimes with grief uh, that I, I discovered in a lot of my grief groups is that people get attached to the grief. It's like the grief becomes a replacement for the person they lost. Mm. And so that's why it's really important to have help because then people don't want to lose the grief because that's their last attachment to the person. And it might sometimes be, I would think, a loyalty question. That's it, yes. Are they they actually um, being disloyal to the person if they don't hurt anymore? That's right. Or that they're going to lose the memory of the person if they aren't grieving. Yes. Or they aren't loving them enough. Oh, my God, I forgot to think about so-and-so today. Oh, my God, I don't love them anymore. Yes. Yeah. 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 I haven't found that that happens, though. Uh, Well, right now, my the people I've lost are very present because of doing this show. Uh, But they're always pretty present, (laughs) you know, so... Um, it's funny how you get to the other end and go, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. That's part of the learning process. And I think as you experience various griefs, like you already had gone through one of the most difficult griefs that are out there, it's like you learn from that. You learn, mm-hmm. oh, I can survive this. Yes, this is really horrible right now, but I can survive this. I know. I, and, and it's going to be difficult for a while, but I can survive this. And you also have all the experience of how you bring that person back into your life in a different way. Yeah. uh, To me, the biggest difference is having the faith that I can do it. Yes. Because it's different every time, but that faith hasn't been shaken. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the people you... Oh, go ahead. In some ways, it's like any, anything that we learn, it, you know, you, you learn through practice and through experience. And yes, things are not the same each time around, but it it makes a difference. Absolutely. The people you interviewed are wonderful. How how did you go about uh I'm assuming you interviewed more people than you are actually in the films, but I don't well, even know. Well, you know that because you, you unfortunately didn't make the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I know that I... had to do with some technical early things and yeah. you know, I'm guessing you had to pick and choose too. I did. I did, and uh, some of it had to do with the way in which they all connected, how they mm-hmm. fit together as a unit, who I chose together, and how they fleshed each other out and, and formed a whole piece that showed different facets or different sides of the different um, relationships to death. And you had asked me about that, the three films, and, the, and I, let me talk about that a minute. The, the first film is about facing death, and so the people I interviewed for that talk about uh, what it's like to face death. Or in uh, the case of two of the people, they don't actually die. I mean, they don't, none of them die in the film, but <laughs> right. they, uh, they haven't died yet, let me put it that way. But they faced a profound uh, life threat. 
you know, and so their lessons are very, very um, important for anybody who is facing a life-threatening uh, condition. To, to kind of get a template or a, at least a guidepost. That, well, right, or, you know, they're models, role models in a models, way. Models, yes. Yeah, they kind of point, they, they give you a, an idea of the territory from a very, very first-hand experience, and that's helpful. Definitely. The second film is about caregiving, and that's another way in which we have a relationship to death, is through caring for accompanying somebody who is, who is dying. And uh, th- again, this is powerfully transformative. Uh, I-, I like to talk about caregiving as uh, a spiritual Olympic challenge. I like that very much. (laughs) When you go through caregiving, if you really stay present and uh, welcome everything, uh, the best you can welcome everything, you are really put through your paces. If you are a spiritual being, it will take you to another level. I mean, if you are a spiritually conscious being, I mean, we're all spiritual beings, but it will take you to a different level. It will put in your face all the things that you need to look at, which, as they say, is a challenge. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, I guess it's so funny looking back. I consider myself now lucky that I had a very long time uh, because I did have some time after all those challenges to enjoy it, you know, oh, to kind of right. enjoy being with my wife, uh, very present, Right. Having faced up to those things, I think that's that's actually a gift. Yes, yes. So, you know, that kind of circles back on the whole thing of facing death. A lot of people will say, well, I would like to die quick and in my sleep. Well, of <laughs> course, that wrecks havoc on any of your family members when you do that. <laughs> sure. It's much nicer for them if they have a long time to get used to the idea that you're going out the door. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I I know a curious bunch of people because I know a better than average set of people who want the long time, <laughs> even after, for their own deaths. Yeah, and, well, after people go through uh, any one of my workshops, they start to realize that. They start to understand that and get it. It's really just fear of death. It's just that paranoia. And I should use the word paranoia because it's not, it's more based upon um belief rather than actuality. The other thing I find, and I want to know if you agree with this, is that often when I really question people about their fear of death, what they're afraid of is dying. Yes. What (laughs) are they afraid of in dying? Deterioration, disability, um, dependency. Yes. All those sorts of things to me and often end up being much bigger than their actual fear of the thing called death. Do you find that too? Yes, yes. That's the the most, uh, those are the the things that stick out most. Unless somebody actually has a, a, you know, like life-threatening illness like cancer and it's metastasized, and then they really are sometimes very upset about the fact that they're going to cease to exist. Yes, yes, yes. when it's in the abstract, it's fear about, you know, the illness and the dependency. When it's actually, a, you know, like facing you face-to-face, then there are concerns about what's going to happen when you die. And, then and, and leaving everybody. Yes. 
Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And leaving everybody. And that's the other big fear, especially for women who have young children. Yes. And men, too, I'm finding. Yeah, yeah that would be true. That's true. Uh, I have to say a lot of my workshops are attended by women. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Typically. <laughs> yes, typically. Um, but, did you conceive of all the films, you know, before you started or did you kind of add as you went along? Well, I intended to make one long film. And then when I started editing it together, my editor, the uh, person who was going to fine-tune it, said, you have three films, not one. And, mm. <laughs> and said, Surprise, surprise, could, huh? <laughs> we could reorganize it. Uh, and I did try that. And I was losing so much of the juice by trying to reorganize it in, in a long, uh, you know, to one hour, two hour uh, film, I was losing so much of the juice. And then I showed it to uh, the three films to a group, uh, a Greek group of people that mm-hmm. I was uh, co-facilitating and they loved the three and they said, oh, just put it out the way just it put is. put it together. Uh-huh. It's time for a break. And, and what I'd really like to do after the break is talk about your own losses and how they led you to this. Um, so we'll, we'll continue with that when we come back and to you listeners out there in these couple of minutes, you can go to the good grief homepage to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect on LinkedIn. I'd really love to hear from you. Tell me your story, who you'd like to see on the show and to reach Michelle Petacolis, you can go to www.secretsoflifeanddeath.com. We'll be right back. your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness if you think you've seen online tv before let us surprise you voiceamerica.tv is online now the leader in live internet talk radio has done it again multiple channels a state-of-the-art viewing experience live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day it's exactly what you want when you want it voiceamerica.tv from health and wellness to business sports and everything in between discover our new world visit voiceamerica.tv now and experience the future of online television voiceamerica.tv we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies. But 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. You can find me at Voice America and at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com, to connect with me in your favorite way. Today, Michelle Petacolis and I are talking about how the deaths of both of her parents in one year led led to her film and coaching work with death and grief. And Michelle, before uh, before the break, I was going to play a clip, and so let's let's start with that. Go forward. Yeah, so so this clip is from the first film, and uh, I met this woman at a um, at a hospice. Uh, gathering where I was showing some of my earlier uh, versions of uh, my films and uh, talking about it, and she introduced herself afterwards and told me how she had uh, had this condition that uh, literally uh, put her at death's door, and she survived, but she actually lives with a condition that could kill her at any time if she eats the wrong stuff, and uh, it's called uh, hemorrhagic pancreatitis, or that was what sent her mm. to the hospital. And so this is her experience of being on that edge between life and death, and it's, it's goosebumps. It's amazing. But it was the most extraordinary experience I've ever had in my life. I literally kept myself alive by one single solitary inhale. I knew if I exhaled, I'd either be exhaling into death or I'd exhale and be here to take another inhale. And it was like being balanced on that moment of, of birth and death, conception and death, all at the same time. Hmm. What a description, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so that's part of the message that uh, I try to get across in my films is that uh, mystery about it, you know, the mystery of the process of dying. And when people get start to see that aspect of death as being actually a whole new adventure, then that really helps them, especially those who are facing death, themselves uh, more directly, it helps them to look at things in a different way. All the things that lead up to that is an, an adventure or as a way of becoming uh, more spiritually connected or mm. more present or more authentic. Yes, and I, I just know from seeing the films and, and um, hearing you talk that you had to go through your own journey to arrive at the place you just spoke about. Can you talk about the loss of your parents and what that was like for you and what your own grief was like? I can. And what I can say is that I had uh, been doing a spiritual practice for, I guess, about 10 years by that time. So it wasn't like I didn't have a framework for understanding death. Um, but it, but there is a naivete about that when you actually get into the trenches. And I also discovered that even though I had this spiritual background and I had this, you know, like 
preconception about how death should be all this like marvelous thing, the reality of it is quite different. That people yes. are actually going through suffering and and pain and discomfort. And that my mother, for example, didn't particularly share my perspective. And I just had to let go of all of my, my ideas and just let her have the death that was appropriate to her. Uh-huh. So that was the first lesson. Uh-huh. And, and then the next lesson was not to miss the important moments. And so, of course, I did. Uh, when my father was dying, my mother called me up and said she thought this was it, and I didn't go back. I was about two hours away, and I said, oh, no, it's not going to happen, because I'd already sat next to him a number of times and, and, and wished, you know, prayed that I would be there at the moment of his death. Well, actually, nobody was there at the moment of his death. He chose this little tiny window of opportunity to check out when nobody was around. Not so, uncommonly. Yeah, and that happens very, very often because my my way of understanding it is that the love is too strong and keeps the person from being able to let go. And so they have to have that, that time to be able to focus, to, to release. Anyway, that's... That, and sometimes I wonder if it isn't also that they are... Um distracted by the impact on you of leaving. Uh, yeah, that could be too. That could be too. It could be all of those things. All and, the above. Huh? And so we, we, we like to reassure people that if they, if, you know, their loved one dies in the moment that they go out for a bathroom break, that that's the way it's meant to be. It's not because they've been selfish yes. in going out yes. for a bathroom break. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I missed my father's death, and, and then I didn't even go back to see the body, because I was like, go back to see the body. Ugh. And mm. when my mother was dying, and I got the notice that she was going, oh, I had a TV show, one of my earlier um, shows scheduled for that weekend, and, oh, I, and my sister said, oh, remember her, how she was. Well, my sister didn't know anything about uh, what, how important death is, and so I missed it, and then I, of course, regretted it. And uh, that's one of the main regrets that people have is that they, that they aren't there when they should have been there. And since that time, I always tell anybody I know who's got a sick relative to go back, that you will really regret. And they're like, well, I've I got to wait until I find out something. I'm like, find out what? Go back. Yes. Go be there. Be there. Because you will really regret it if you're not, if you're not there. If, because so many wonderful, magical things happen when you show up. I'm really struck, though, that this regret you had catapulted you into such a, an amazing journey that you're still on, you know. Well, of <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, I'm like the, uh, what is it, um, in, in the commercials, there's, here, here's the uh, how you don't want to be, and then there's how you do want to be, and I, I'm, I'm that. I, I go and I model all the things that, <laughs> and why you really want to open to death. It's like, uh, you know, I didn't go back, and, and then when my mother was dying, I didn't go back, and then, oh, this is, this is really bad. Um, I, I know that she's going, and I have this TV show coming up, and I... Um, I make this little pact in my mind that if she's alive by the next weekend, then I'll go back. Uh-huh. So then I start getting these little little emails from my sister saying, well, mother's still around, 
And the nurse is wondering why she's still around and trying to ask her if there's anything unfinished. And my mother wasn't eating. She wasn't drinking. People who don't eat and drink are supposed to die in like maybe three days. And here she is still around. And so finally, I think after the fifth day, it dawns on me, oh, my God, I'm holding her back. Mm. And, of course, I burst into tears. I said, Mm. I can't believe it. And I said, it's not about me. And so... um, so then I released her. I said, Mom, you can go. It's okay. Just in in your mind. Huh? In my mind, yeah. 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 And she died that night. Mm. Those experiences are so... Uh, you've described those kind of experiences so well just now that are beyond linear understanding. Yes. Uh, that's a moment that was not at all logical. No. That you could tell her from all that distance it's okay, and yet it's clear that you have a sense that mattered. Yes, yes. Um, Well, you know, I certainly believe in the the magic of the universe and that we actually communicate uh, across uh, miles in, in in another realm. I mean, I, I, I hear these stories all the time, and there's a story in, in uh, well, it wasn't in the film, but the man talked about losing his wife, and the moment that she died, he gets a call from um, one of his stepchildren, and it turns out that their daughter, and this was cross, this was like in France or something, had woken up in the middle of the night screaming exactly at the moment that she died. Uh, I, I have many of those experiences myself, so I know, you I know, know what, what you're talking, talking about. about. Yes. Yeah. And you, you know, I, you talk, you talk to hospice nurses, they have tons of stories. You tons do, of those stories. I've done these workshops, I hear stories all the time. And so, yes. I, you know, it's like, and here's another thing about having an impact on when people die. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, you know, ask their loved one, Dad, can you just stay alive a little bit longer so mom can get the, the, your, your social security check one more time, you know. Or there was another story which I loved, which was the reverse. There was this woman whose father was dying, and her mother couldn't take care of her father anymore, so she was going uh, to visit and help her mom, and she only had like two weeks. And so she told the hospice nurse, she said, you know, I wish my, it would be really great if my father could die, you know, in that two weeks so that I could be there for (laughs) for mom and that he wouldn't have to go into any kind of hospital or anything like that. She says, well, tell him. She says, oh, I couldn't tell him that. She says, yeah, you could. And she says, well, what do I say? And she says, you'll find the words. And so she did. And her father did die in those two weeks. Amazing, huh? It's yeah. it's a different reality for sure. It is. It is. And when people realize that and open to that, hey, it's a lot more interesting. You know, it makes me think of the clip that I that we um have for this section which is uh the clip of Jeff. Yes. Do do you want to say anything about that before we play that? Sure. So this is this is the third film and I didn't mention that um uh, before the break, but there is a third film, and it's about grief, and that's the third way in which we connect or uh, have a relationship with death is after we've lost somebody close. And in this case, uh, Jeff is losing his mother to uh, a very, very aggressive cancer. And uh, I think she was in 
maybe her 50s. She was kind of young. I mean, I think young anyway. And uh, the nurse tells him to tell her that it's okay to let his mom go, which is what good hospice nurses do. Because as you heard my own story, you need to tell them it's okay to go. And uh, so he talks about his experience of that, and it's very powerful. So her nurse had said, tell her she can go. Tell her it's okay to go. And I had been dealing with this whole thing in a fairly holistic way, I think. I knew what was happening. I knew that it was time. But when it really came down to it, the words would not leave my mouth. I could not tell her that it was okay to go. Because it wasn't. It wasn't okay. And real is real, huh? Real is real. He he was just really so honest. And, you know, a lot of times we're not ready to let somebody go. And eventually he he does, after he sees her suffering so long, he finally does tell her. And that it's okay for her to go. And that's the other side of it is that it, it becomes so painful to hold on that you, that you release them. And then, of course, after that, you have the experience of letting go that yeah. might help you in the future. Yeah. You know, it might yeah. not be as hard if he has to yeah. let go of someone again. Yes, that's right. Because, yeah. you know, it's the learning. Yes. And maybe... Maybe it will also teach you about your own letting go when it's your turn. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, for sure. Ha- have you had losses since that have been, that you feel are affected by, you know, all the exploration you've done and by losing your parents? I, I missed the first part of that question. I'm sorry. No problem. Have you had other losses since that oh. have have been impacted by these experiences in your own life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I lost a very, very close uh, friend who did the Sufi work with me, and uh, she lived alone, and she chose my husband and me to be one of her primary accompaniers. And I was even on her advanced healthcare directive, and uh, I—it was such a gift to be able to show up. And I have to say that it is easier to be there for a friend than it is to be there for a parent sometimes, <laughs> because there are oftentimes little fraught aspects to dealing with your own parents, sure. which may not be there with a friend. But that's not always true. But in this case, she was extremely gracious and extremely grateful. And so it was, it was easy and wonderful. And what was really, really exciting was that she made sure that I was there and present when she passed. Huh. And you say, well, how did she do that? I don't know. But the day that she, was, she went out, she sent a message to my husband. And suddenly, and he tends to be slow at getting out the door, and we were going to go see her that day, and suddenly he said, we got to go right now. we got to go right now. Uh-huh. And we just flew out the door. She died 20 minutes after we arrived. Amazing. Amazing yeah. experience. Yeah. 
And here was the other thing that happened was, um, so where she, oh, death rattle, uh, really, uh, and her death was, it was not, she had terrible, terrible cancer, and she was, she was suffering, and they had her unconscious. So she had this death rattle, which sounds like somebody who can barely breathe because uh, there's all this fluid in their lungs, and it's really difficult to listen to. And, Incredibly um, loud. And <laughs> very loud. Experience. And, and, and you're talking to the nurse about suctioning her, and she's saying, no, it doesn't help. It's, you know, it just comes right back, and we're, and uh, suddenly... And they, we weren't the only ones. There were her, was her brother and her sister-in-law and some and another friend. And suddenly she sits up. I mean, she's been unconscious, and she sits uh-huh. up, eyes wide open, looks out with a look of astonishment, and then she drops back into bed, and she's gone. Uh-huh. And because of our experience, we all shouted out, "Go, Marianne! It's okay. We love you. Have a good time." You know, we sent her off. And that you know, must have been affected by all your experiences, for exactly. sure. Exactly, and all the, all the film work and everything like that. And sure. so that was wonderful. Yeah. And then the other thing that I did was sitting next to her with her dead body next to me, I started to sing a, um, a chant, uh, an Arabic uh, chapter from the Quran, because we do the Sufi work, and she knew that. And I started singing, and, and uh, at first I'm sitting there and I say, should I sing it or shouldn't I? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing to start singing this. And then I said, you know what? I either do it now or it's yeah. too late. And yes. I did it. And that's, that's also the lesson from, from my parents is do it. Do it. Because you're never going to get another chance. Just that's right. Guess what? It's time for another break. All right. It's just speeding by for me. I'm enjoying yeah. our conversation so oh, much. good. When we come back, let's talk, you know, more about how the two meld together, this, these losses and then the impact on your life as you live it now, in terms of the work you do, but also just in terms of how you look at your own, at your own life. Yes. Thank you. Well, um, we'll be right back. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies. But 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief, and you can find me at Voice America and also at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. My guest, Michelle Petacolis, can be found at secretsoflifeanddeath.com. And we've been talking about the deaths of her parents and how that has led to her work as a filmmaker and as a grief coach. And um, maybe that's a good way to start this segment, just to uh, tell me about your life now, the different things you do, how they weave together, and how they um, connect with those experiences. Yeah, well, it's uh, amazing how one thing um, feeds on the next thing or, or falls back and relies on the next thing. So my first uh, inclination was to make a film because I was so powerfully impacted and because the, the uh, little TV show that I did on death, it, was just, it just whetted my appetite. So I started out making this film and I had so much fear because I, who do I think I am? I mean, I'm not a filmmaker. And going and presenting myself, it was such an empowering process. And I had to do it because I had this, this, this quest. I had to understand this, and I also, because of the failures that I, you know, and the regrets that I had, I felt compelled to help other people to avoid those mistakes. And this was way back before Bill Moyers even came out with his series. So I, you know, was like, oh, I, I need to help other people not to, to make this mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first part of the journey was making the films. And after I made the films, I actually made the first two films. And then you have, you, okay, you've birthed these children, and now you have to send them to school. You have to take <laughs> care of them. It's not over. It's not like, okay, I've got the film, I'm done. Blah, blah. You have to distribute them. And so I started uh, doing um, presentations. And then I started doing workshops. And, and it started to, to snowball. It started to, uh, to develop. And then I found a, uh, this grant that enabled me to take these films to the cancer community. And, and each step, I learned more, and I learned from the people that came to the workshops. And I kept on, and it was all this accumulation of stories. And I, I didn't mention this, but the other thing is, while I was making the films, I joined uh, hospice as a volunteer. And... The reason I did that was somebody said, well, if you want to learn about death, you should join hospice, you know, to kind of keep it real. And so I did that. 
And then over the course of that, I got into the grief part of hospice and uh, first made phone calls to the bereaved and then ended up facilitating grief groups. And so that was the grief end of it, and that's how I uh, got pulled into doing the coaching because I had uh, a number of years of doing that with, uh, with various uh, groups. So, so the two of those things have finally... Um, Move to to making a business out of it. You know how can I how can I do this because I love doing this work. And uh, the other thing that happened, well, I got to say that it's not just death; it's all losses that, uh, especially major losses, that become a uh, catalyst for transformation. So you know, in that whole economic downturn, I lost this lovely little part-time job uh, as a uh, legal secretary trainer. And so I said, well, I'll just go and finish my third film, which was The Heart of Grieving, and, you know, maybe life will transform after that. Well, it did, but, you know, you also have to take all the steps along the way for your life to transform. Yes, there's no skipping anything, is there? It's not like suddenly, oh, you made a film. (laughs) Oh, let us welcome you into the universe and shower you with... It doesn't quite work like that because mm-hmm. there's a lot of learning about how to get your information out to people. And then there's all the inner work that you have to go through. And and that's learning to trust yourself and learning to believe in yourself and um, mm-hmm. and that it's that it's everything is going to work out all right. And that's the lesson of loss, too. Isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Of course, so I agree with you, and I'm having that experience a lot right now in in creating this new thing called good grief. You know yeah. that you yeah. you you can have a sense it's doable, but you still have to face the little t- twists and turns and bumps and and learn, continue to learn. But your process of evolution sounds, uh, you know, as if when you look back, it's, it's all been headed in a direction. Do yes. you have that sense yourself? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so let me tell you this other little story. So I got this grant to take the, uh, my films, the, the uh, cancer community, and, and I, I distributed a lot of films to various cancer organizations all over the United States. And I did a number of workshops because I wanted to test out my material, <laughs> you know, and see how it works and to write uh-huh. up uh, guides. So last year I did a workshop on um, dying well, and it was a six-part series. It wasn't one workshop. It was six workshops, and I had various guest speakers and uh, to help people look at various aspects of what it would be like to die and how to help them. And one of them was about looking at your life, looking back over your life. And uh, so part of the process was writing down all your milestones, and part of it was creating a life map, a, a collage or a, a drawing. And, of course, since I was asking people to do it, I had to do that myself. And then suddenly everything came clear. It's like I saw this whole path, this whole journey, and how each of these major crises catapulted me to the next phase of my life. Mm-hmm. And it... and. 
And it all worked out. It was like, oh, is that <laughs> here interesting? Here you are. <laughs> and here I am. And look at how all that stuff kind of uh, moved along and, and, and brought me to where I am. And so the process of looking at your life as a, as a map uh, or as a journey um, gives you this whole coherence uh, and, and way of holding it together and also shows you where you need to go next. You know, the direction, next? but maybe yeah. not the destination. That's right, uh, the direction. You know, yeah. I, I like that idea of journey in the sense that if you've never been somewhere, uh, you can get on the road, but you don't know what it's going to look like really when you get there. You yes, know, but right. but you know where you're going. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. You don't yeah. know how you're going to get hit there, and that's okay that you don't know how to get there. That's the other tip. Yes. You just have the vision. You just have that idea. And I have to say, when I first started out making these films, or somewhere along the line, I had this idea that I was going to be doing workshops and teaching people about uh, death and how death is actually our friend, that we can learn a lot when we open to it, when we become more comfortable talking about it. It is the biggest mystery of our lives, and it is uh, very rich. And I have to say, you know, it took me almost 10 years to finish the first two films. So it had to be a very powerful subject for, to, to keep me on the path that long. And it Absolutely. Uh, I'm assuming that if people are interested in your workshops and in finding out where you might be showing the films and all that, the best place to find you is your website? It is a very, very rich website, and I encourage people to go there. You can sign up for my newsletter uh, on the website. It's on almost every page of the website. There's a little um, box that you fill your information in. And what you get is a free um, grief guide. You say, well, I'm not grieving right now, but this is a charming guide. It's illustrated, and it has really lovely wisdom. And if you're not grieving now... Trust me, it'll come. <laughs> and you, you might and, as well get it. <laughs> yeah, well, this is because we share this lens, but I, I have the idea we are always, all of us, grieving at some level, <laughs> you know, um, uh, that that's, that's part of the lens of living. There are constant tiny so little losses. That's yes? true. That's true. And, and to look at, uh, at grief, grief is not just about losing somebody to death. Grief is all the little losses, and all the little losses help to teach us how to deal with the bigger ones. You can, you can do reps like in the gym, huh? Yes, you can. <laughs> you can. You know, uh, you, you can really um, practice by looking at the little losses. And it's, it doesn't hurt to go back and, and look at the early losses and release them, you know. So get the, yes. get the grief guide and, and see if some of this stuff applies to even old losses. Because uh, I don't know about you, but when I, the way I was brought up, I didn't give, get any really great guidance about how to deal with loss. Did no. you? No. no. No loss 101 at my school. No loss 101 <laughs> in my school or in my family. Yes, yes. Do you think you'll make more films? You know, I have a fourth film that I shot at the same time as the others. I would need to do more photography. Uh, I, I need to get one more interview. 
And interestingly, this year I um, I have an arrangement with one of my clients where I might where I will be able to get access to a high definition camera. So I feel like this is a sign from the universe that I need mm-hmm. to finish that last film. And the last film is well, it's had numerous titles, but do you know the one that seems to stick with me the most is Life from Loss. Well, that does so fit with the theme of this this hour every week that I'm that I'm creating. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and, and so it's it's the what happens after the grief. What what are the gifts of grief? Where where are you going? What can you get from this? And you know, to have some really inspiring stories. And I do have some inspiring stories about people who have have used their losses to transform their lives into their life purpose. And, you know, when I started planning this show, I was, a lot of people were saying, how are you going to find enough guests? Of course, I wasn't worried about that. No. <laughs> but, but stories of transformation from loss are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Unbelievably, we're coming to the end of our time together. I, I really wanted to... Um, Share with the listeners Robin's other, uh, the other piece uh, that um, she spoke of in the film. Let's do that now, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, great. I can't predict the future. All I have, really, is right now. That's all I have is this very moment. I don't even have moments three hours from now. It's like stealing from time. Um, this is it. This is this is as good as it gets right here, right now. Ah, oh, Michelle, thank you so much. I've had just such a good time talking with you. Again, you can reach Michelle at www.secretsoflifeanddeath. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Julie Genovese, who wrote Short on Joy, a memoir about the decade she spent coming to terms with her dwarfism and degenerative arthritis. And uh, we'll talk about how she found her joy. Don't forget to go to the Good Grief homepage at Voice America to email me, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.